This is a Soulfire production. Yo, everybody, what is up? Hope you're having a great day. Welcome back to Politically Homeless. We're here. We're doing the thing. We're trying it out. Doing the best we can. By we, I mean me. Of course, our excellent team at Soul Fires makes the videos and stuff, but I still got to be here doing this thing. And I'm telling you right now, I've got some brain fog happening. Things are not really clicking at 100%, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? It is what it is. And I can't really like uh, check out of here based on mental health crises. But some places that's okay to do. It makes sense. I mean, I definitely skipped a show here and there because I was like, I just, I'm not, I'm not there right now. I'm not there right now, but it's not one of those days. It's one of those days where we're going to get into it. We're going to do the best we can. We've got some fun stuff to talk about. We're going to rip on the FBI a little bit. Uh, just discuss Joe Biden. I'm going to come to Ben Shapiro's defense. Uh, we're going to roast Charlie Kirk. And then we're going to talk about the families of presidents enriching themselves based on being the families of presidents. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Also going to discuss democracy a bit and how we can kind of reevaluate the way that we look at democracy and what our responsibility is as the citizens of a relatively democratic nation. It's good times. Good times all around. So recently, the other day, I was thinking, hey, I, I do this thing. Most of, most of the things that people are complaining about and and ba- all the backlash is happening on Twitter. Most of the time it's happening on Twitter. So I decided I would jump on Twitter and just see what was going on. Like I, I just don't get on there that much. I don't like it. it doesn't really feel like a good... I, I just prefer YouTube and Instagram to kind of do anything that I feel is uh, productive or just getting a, pol- getting a feeling of... getting a uh, Putting my finger on the pulse of what the fuck is going on in the world. I think about... Instagram and YouTube being YouTube primarily Instagram is a shit show, but nothing compares. Nothing compares to the dumpster fire. That is Twitter. Like the takes that I see on there, the anger that exists on there. It's so strange to just jump in there after not having, having not been on Twitter in a long time. I mean, I'm on Twitter. I like tweet things and I usually just take a screenshot and post them on Instagram. And that's kind of how I, you know, how I I put some things out there, some, some brief thoughts, but I don't really use Twitter. You know what I mean? And when I got on there, I was just like so discouraged because it's fun with things like, like YouTube, right? We talk about the show breaking points quite a bit. It's been a bit of an inspiration for me. I feel like they're much more uh, grown up than I am, even though I'm like five years older than Sauger. Um, I think me and Crystal are pretty close to the same age. Maybe she's a little older than me, but it, it just feels like this that's where the grown-ups are and then it's, it's, and I look at and then I look at fucking Twitter and I'm like what is happening like what are y'all doing you're out of your fucking minds it's so weird it's so weird to jump on there and I have I have friends I mean people that are in the patreon that send me DMs on Twitter and I always feel back so be like four DMs in there like I'm blowing up uh, but they've been in there for like a week and I haven't seen them. And it's like people that actually that send me great stuff. So it's like I jump on there and, and check that stuff out. But I'm usually late to the game because I just don't exist on there. It's just not, it's not my thing. I don't know, but it was a dumpster fire and it was crazy. 
really crazy just to jump in there and be like, wow, this is this is a fucking mess. This is why I like listening to people on, on YouTube and and even Instagram to an extent because I get some like longer form discussions and, and that's the kind of stuff that I get into, not like tweety headlines. And then I was actually, I started following this guy uh, on the gram, uh, con- Conspirituality. It's called Conspirituality Pod. And this, this guy is just kind of ripping on spirituality. But the funny thing is like, I, I get that, and I rip on spirituality quite a bit. I was actually just on my fiance's show kind of doing the same thing, and, and it's justified, and people do a good job in that world, and also there's a lot of charlatans and snake oil salesmen in that job, so in that role, in that community. And I do talk about that quite a bit, but this guy is just like, it's like the the vitriol at which he comes at people who are unvaccinated. Like, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my mind around why, why? Of all the things, right? It's like, okay, so forty uh, percent uh, of the country doesn't really want to get vaccinated. It seems like adults. It's like, nah, we're good. And I, I understand if you are, and if you're pro-vax, like COVID-vax. And I, don't, I want we need to delineate between being like anti-vax and like <laughs> COVID-vax hesitant slash not a, not a huge fan or just not willing to put that in your body, right? Like, there's a difference in being anti-vax and and questioning the COVID vaccine which I know could get me canceled in certain circles. But the amount of just frustration and anger that people have on both sides, but a lot of it comes from the from the pro-vax community. It's just like they fucking hate people. Like I don't I don't understand what value that adds to anyone's life. I can't understand why you pick that hill to die on. You know, like they knew variants were going to be a thing. Variants were always going to be a thing. Now the CDC has caved to pressure and they're doing mass mandates again. And people are like, dude, we're going to come to this breaking point. But I was actually having a discussion with a friend today. And it's like, maybe that's the right thing to do. Maybe it's like, you know what? Do vaccine passports. Like do them. Do them and then see how that works out in this fucking country. Right? Because we, it's like, let's just come to blows. You know, it's one of those things, like, and I grew up in a small town where when someone said something, like, disrespectful, it wasn't really, like, uh, that big of a reach to just get punched in the face or punch someone in the face, like, just start a fight. You know what I mean? Like, that was, like, a normal thing that would happen is you just might fucking throw down. But the funny thing was, it's a piece, that that style of life is actually much more peaceful because everybody wants to be a fucking loudmouth until they get punched, right? And there's something to that. So it's like, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just just fucking go to blows? Metaphorically, maybe. Physically, in some cases, I'm sure. But it probably, it's been building for a long time. A long time. So if we want to do that, like, if you want to go that route, if you want to, like, poke the dragon in that way, like, <laughs> get after it. I just don't, I don't understand why people feel it's appropriate to incentivize hate. Like that doesn't really. I don't under. I don't understand who thought that was a good idea, why we're moving in that direction, and why people are falling for it. You know what I mean? Like I got criticized today for kind of the way that I attack Ben Shapiro as if it's like a personal thing. It's not personal. Like I don't. I'm sure me and Ben Shapiro would have a great time together, right? And I go through phases of like, okay, like I feel like he went on a, a particularly ridiculous. <laughs> 
stretch of time where he was just like, I don't know, just like everything he, he said, I was like, dude, you're just thriving in this culture war that you're now, com- you're complaining about the thing that drives your business, which is the culture war. Let's be re- honest and realistic about what Ben Shapiro's business really is, which is, is suckling on the teat of the culture war. Which frustrates me because it's, it's it's hypocrisy, right? And that's one thing that, like, if you, need, if you if you listen to this show at all, you know the hypocrisy just, like, grinds my gears. Like, it really gets under my skin. So someone's like, it just seems like a personal attack. And I, like, laid it out where I was like, this is why. Like, this is, like, it's it's these things, specific things that he does that I feel are disingenuine, that I feel manipulate people, that I feel further divide the nation. And they, he only wants unity, just like he, he complains about the Democrats only wanting unity under their ideology, and he only wants unity under his ideology, right? It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. Like, shut up. I, I, what, I, what I'm trying to do is different than what you're doing, different than what Jen Psaki's doing, is, which is exactly the same thing from different perspectives of being like, hey, man, we can all like disagree. You know, I can think what you believe is absolutely ridiculous and, and, and moronic and still not hate you as a person. I don't need to do that. We don't need this this vitriol, but this conspirituality pod guy came out like JP Sears, which JP and I, having been friends, um, love the dude to death. His political takes, I think, are um, a little uh, off base. But at the same time, I get what he's doing. I think it's kind of funny. And it is what it is, right? Like the understanding of communism isn't really there. So like weaponizing that with, with, with like fraudulent kind of uh, positioning is silly to me. But I still fucking love the dude. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a weird thing that people are succumbing to this weaponization of hate. And then seeing that from somebody like this conspirituality pod guy where it's like, I'm just going to shit on people now. And it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know. But at the end of the day, like... <laughs> A life, here's my thought too. A life that doesn't have con artists and madness and misfortune and death and darkness and destruction, like that's an essential part of life in general. Otherwise, it's just boring as fuck. I think the reason that communism generally doesn't work isn't because it doesn't make sense. Actually, communism makes a fuck ton of sense on paper. And I remember learning about communism in high school. Right. And I was taught my government teacher was a hardcore libertarian, knowing that now. I'd love would love to go back and have a discussion because he was actually in Graham, Texas, and he was a former football coach, athletic director. Like you wouldn't expect him to be a great teacher, a really good teacher. Like the best teacher I had in high school, hands down. And really like we had fun discussions and like challenged each other. It was it was great. And it was just so rare to have in my life at that time. But he's this hardcore libertarian, and I remember even he admitted, like, when we were talking about communism and learning about communism, I'm like, yeah, on paper, this is actually a really good idea. <laughs> like, this makes sense on paper, as do many things that don't make sense in reality, right? Because we look at the human nature component, and I think one of the reasons communism doesn't work is because it's fucking boring. It's fucking boring. Yes, Marx had valid points, and Ayn Rand has valid points. Like, these are real things that make sense. You know, Noam Chomsky has valid points. Like, this is, I don't understand why that's so hard to admit that all sides have valid points and things make sense on paper that don't necessarily make sense in the real world. And, you know, one of those things that doesn't seem to be making that much sense now is hardcore capitalism, right? Like, libertarianism makes so much sense on paper, too. 
But it just like when it, when it's all like flushed out, like you need some regulations and you need uh, you need a little bit of oversight and coagulation of power is inevitable. And that's almost like a, it's like a rule of nature at this point. Like power is going to coagulate in certain areas, and that's generally going to be really close to uh, big business and the government, right? There's going to be that. So you almost need like a, a third party that's like a. I don't know, like a, a, a moderator between the two that is trusted, but even that would get corrupted at some point. Like there's just no, there's no way, there's no way to avoid the corruption, and there's and there's no way to really avoid the authoritarianism that comes with uh, giving a centralized power all the leverage over your life. Like that is a breeding ground, just like capitalism is a breeding ground for corruption, and we're seeing that all over the place now. Um, you even seeing that in Florida with the red tide being caused by sewage dump and pollution is like, it's ruining people's fucking lives. And, you know, just like that, like we have, it's, it's, it's unavoidable to have an authoritarian, authoritarian regime <laughs> come in and take over and fuck shit up when it comes to communism. It just is what it is, but I don't understand why we like it's, it's some of these people just don't want to let, let the cold war end. You know, it's like, can we just move on to a more nuanced view? We just move on and apply based on the industry, the situation, like apply regulations and, and, and the markets, market forces where it makes sense. But to call, come back around to just the amount of hate that I saw on Twitter and like how people are just incentivized to hate each other. We're going to talk about incentives in the federal government down the road, but just rambling, just thinking, thinking out loud. Like it's, it's, um, it's a weird time and it's, it's sad to see it. I mean, and even, you know, like I have friends that are uh, much more famous than I am in this like world. And people are so jaded and frustrated. Like my friends that are from California specifically are just like have turned so hard to the right. And I understand, I, I totally empathize with it, man. If I lived in California and just got fucked <laughs> constantly by shitty policy that is trending in one direction, it only trends in one direction in that place, you know, crimes out of control, it's just, it's at us. It's insane. I could un like the amount of resentment and then, and then for people to act like for someone like Gavin Newsom to act like he doesn't deserve to be resented by the population. It, it's just so naive and arrogant. And that's just a potent combination of fuckery, like naive, naivete and arrogance combined. But there's so much of so much of that. There's so much of that exists. Um, in our world today, and it's it's really hard to see. And and Tim Dillon was talking about this on his podcast the other day. It was just this: we're headed to this like the equivalent of just a basic bitch reality, like a basic bitch reality where we're told what's good, what to like, what happened, like a very Orwellian situation. And it's the saddest thing is to me that it's going to be fucking boring. It's going to be fucking boring, you know. And I, I don't I have no interest in that. I have no interest in a life without darkness um and we talk about like the metaphysical or spiritual like manifestations of light and dark and the error in understanding that is that dark is bad and light is good like that's too reductionist that doesn't make sense like darkness needs to manifest itself in life in many ways and you need to acknowledge that about yourself which i think is one of the problems with 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 many of the pol politicians and, and people and pundits that we see is like they don't accept their own fucking bullshit like you gotta to, to be in my opinion to be an honest person You've got to kind of accept that you're full of shit, you know. Like you just got to accept that you're kind of full of shit, and that's okay. We all are. Mark Manson talks about this a lot. 
And you got to understand that like you probably waste your time caring about things that you don't need to care about. Like one thing I would uh, recommend to everyone, right? Especially now. It's because everybody tells you to give too many fucks about too many things. You need a fucking opinion on everything. You got to have an opinion on Simone Biles, and you got to have a, a, an opinion on Israel-Palestine, right? It's like those could not be further apart, but you need to have an opinion on those. No, you don't. Everybody needs, everybody needs to go read The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck will break this down in a way that makes sense of how to do kind of a personal audit of where your fucks are going in life. And it's a good call-out. It's a good call. Like I chose, consciously chose to like put my fucks in this basket uh, for some goddamn reason. But it, I like it. I enjoy it. It brings it brings value to my life and the fact that I just enjoy doing this. Like I do this because I enjoy it. I make what less than three hundred dollars a month on Patreon. By the way, if you would like to change that, go to Patreon.com/slash/politicallyhomeless and help me out here. Um, but it's like I enjoy this shit, so I choose to put my fucks here, right? And I I transferred some fucks from other areas of my life and put them here. But that's, that's not necessary for everyone, and everybody doesn't need to have an opinion on everything all the time. And it's like, oh, the lack of an opinion is is now a call for hatred. It's it's crazy, y'all. It's a crazy time. But let's get into the state of things. Let's do it. That was a little bit longer of a rant than I usually do in the very beginning, but maybe that's where we're going. Fuck if I know, man. Fuck if I know. This is a crazy, just a crazy time. Anyways, real quick, before we get into the state of things... As I mentioned, you can join the Patreon, patreon.com slash politically homeless. Support independent content or else I will have to become a shill for the CIA, um, maybe the FBI, literally anybody. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm going to serve who pays me. Let's be real. So, so if you want that to be you, then I suggest you get your ass over to the Patreon, drop that $6 a month, get an extra episode every week that is crowdsourced from the Patreon community for the Patreon community and just get preferential treatment and you get to force me to talk about really whatever you want me to talk about. And that's not limited to just politics. Literally anything. I will go for it. I'll do my best. And I will, I will serve you as a humble, a humble subservient. That's what I'll do for you in the Patreon community. Check it out. Link is in the show notes or you can just go to patreon.com slash politically homeless. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share the show if you dig it with some friends, with your parents, with your lovers. You know what I think we should do? If you're on a dating app, if you're on a dating app, especially if you're a lady and you match with someone, just match with as many people as you can and just send them a link to the podcast. That's my one ask of you out there today. Now, let's get to the state of things. As some of you may remember before the election, before the election when Joe Biden had his triumphant triumphant victory and chaos ensued, and election fraud claims became a daily part of our lives. <sighs> we had the attempted kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. Now, I was very upset by this. I was very frustrated. 
very frustrating. This, is in, this was in that time in my um, decision-making process when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to start a campaign for leaving that, that box blank, the box with Trump and Biden in it, leave that motherfucker blank. I was like, maybe I should make a, you know, and if I could go back and do it again, I would have made some kind of like thing, you know, some hashtag leave it blank situation. And I might do that again. We'll see what happens in 2024. But I was in that place. And then things, you know, Trump was shitting the bed. He was making an ass of himself on a daily basis. It was incredibly embarrassing. I was embarrassed to be an American because of the way he was behaving. And he just had zero awareness of, like, what the fuck was going on around him. Like, it was so bad. I mean, like, Joe Biden is cognitively impaired, right? Like, he's not really there. So I almost, like, can give him a, like, I hate, I hate that he's the president. But um, it is what it is at this point. But with with Trump, like I, I what was, what was going to say with Biden here is like I can almost excuse him not knowing what's going on around him because he hasn't known what was going on around him for a long time, and we knew that putting him in the White House. Like if you didn't know that, you missed something. But with Trump, it's like okay, you have a certain type of charisma, you've got an ability to really change people's minds in a certain way that's very cultish. Um, but you know, Obama has a cult like following, right? Like th- this is a thing. And then this 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 kidnapping plot thing for Gretchen Whitmer became mainstream news, big news, huge news. I was pissed. I was like, these fucking idiots. And I was already and I was already teed up to be angry because of the guys who were protesting at I mean, the early on in in the COVID situation, she put some restrictions in place. People were fucking pissed. Um, and these guys were just like walking around the Capitol with ARs and, and like these fat fucks in like riot gear. It was just so stupid. It was so stupid and obnoxious. And I was like, oh my God. As a, and I'm a pro gun guy, right? I'm wearing a fucking black rifle coffee t-shirt right now. Like I, I'm a pro to a dude. And I was like, these guys are fucking morons. Like they're morons. And it was, it was annoying. And then you hear about this plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. And I was pissed. And I like went off on this whole thing. But then you find out, and Glenn Greenwald did some amazing reporting here, that at the end of the day, when we really look at this, the plan wasn't from a 3%er group or the Proud Boys or whatever other fucking group that you decide to villainize for whatever reason that you're told. It wasn't their plan. It was the FBI's plan. It was the FBI's plan just like every other way that they want to scare you into fucking compliance. Which is just like... And I have to admit, I was I was a sophomore in high school when 9-11 happened, right? A sophomore in high school. I was building, I was when 9-11 happened, I was building a fucking bridge out of uh out of um popsicle sticks. Hoping that it could hold a five-pound weight. That's what I was doing on September eleventh when I got the news. Right? And they wheeled the TV in there and we watched what was going on. We stopped building our bridges out of sticks. Okay, so like I wasn't really tuned in at that time to like what the fallout was, but you had these like foiled terror plots that were happening after 9-11, which again were just FBI plots where they find somebody who's um, anti-social, unintelligent, um, loner person and then and then frame them essentially and trap them into a terror plot um, that they completely orchestrated and paid for. And we're seeing the same thing now because now instead of uh, people from the Middle East that are that are, we should be afraid of, we've we've shifted that to domestic terrorism, which can mean whatever the fuck they want it to mean, whatever they want. I could be a domestic terrorist right now, like just by existing and saying what I'm saying. Like I could be by by criticizing the intelligence community, I could say, hey, you could say, hey, this is domestic terrorism. This is a thought crime that leads to, to, to terrorism. This this is the kind of shit that can go on. So it really doesn't domestic terrorism 
does just like the word misinformation, disinformation, um, it's communism, socialism, those, those words have been beaten to death. They don't even fucking mean anything anymore, right? Depends on how you're using them or weaponizing them, but they're not really like functional words in our society anymore. They've been beaten to death. So anyways, we get into here and it says, and this is an incredible article. We're just going to share a few pieces of it because it's very long, but Glenn Greenwald goes into depth about all this stuff, but it says FBI uses the same fear tactic tactics from the first war on terror, orchestrating its own terrorism plots. Questioning the FBI's role in January 6th was maligned by corporate media as deranged, but only ignorance about the FBI or a desire to deceive could produce such a reaction. So we see here a headline that says FBI busts plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. So really interesting here. Okay, so we're going to get into this. Oh, man, Glenn is so fucking good at this. Glenn is Glenn Greenwald is so good at exposing the intelligence community and just the general fuckery that happens. And I appreciate it to no end. And I, I've said it on the show dozens of times. I have so much respect uh, for Glenn Greenwald and the way that he takes principled stances. And everybody knows that I get a little bit of a hard-on for principled stances. Right? <laughs> like, I really appreciate them. And Glenn does an amazing job of that. So let's get into this article a little bit here. The narrative that domestic anti-government extremists in the greatest, are the greatest threat to the U.S.'s national security, the official position of the U.S. security state and the Biden administration, received its most potent boost in October 2020, less than one month before the 2020 presidential election, when the FBI and Michigan state officials announced the arrest of 13 people on terrorism, conspiracy, and weapons charges, with six of them accused of participating in a plot to kidnap uh, Michigan's Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who had been particular a particular target of criticism from President Trump for her advocacy of harsh COVID lockdown measures. The headlines that followed were dramatic and fear-mongering. Headline says Mission, Michigan anti-government group plotted to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, announced the New York Times. The same night, ABC News began its broadcast this way. Tonight, we take you into a hidden world, a place authorities say gave birth to a violent domestic terrorist terror plot in Michigan, foiled by the FBI, our heroes over at the FBI. Now, if we keep going down and see here, like they milked this for all it was worth. Gretchen Whitmer went into, into depth about how, you know, this was this was terrorism. Andrew Cuomo called this terrorism going on and on this whole thing. And then we realize, you know, Joe Biden chimes in and then we realize what's actually going on here. What's actually going on here? <laughs> Glenn says, from the start, there were ample and potent reasons to distrust the FBI's version of events. To begin with, FBI press releases are typically filled with lies, yet media outlets, due to some combination of excessive gullibility or inability to learn lessons or a desire to be deceived, continue to treat them as gospel. For another, the majority of terror plots the FBI claims to detect and break up during the first war on terror, in fact, Pots manufactured, funded, and driven by the FBI itself. So we're pulling from the same playbook here. Indeed, the FBI has previously acknowledged that its own powers and budget depend on keeping Americans in fear of such attacks. Former FBI Assistant Director Thomas Funtes, in a documentary called The Newberg Sting about the 2009 FBI arrest of four men on terrorism charges, uttered this extremely candid admission. If you're submitting budget proposals for a law enforcement agency, for an intelligence agency, you're not going to submit the proposal that we've won the war on terror and everything's great because the first thing that's going to happen is you're gonna, your budget's going to get cut in half. You know, it's my opinion. It's my 
It's my opposite of Jesse Jackson's keep hope alive. It's keep fear alive. Keep it alive. In the Whitner kidnap, kidnapping case, the FBI's own affidavit in support of the charges acknowledged the involvement in the plot of both informants and undercover FBI agents over several months. Now, if we continue down here, says, while it was clear from the start that there were FBI informants and agents in the middle of all of this, it turns out that at least half of those involved were acting on FBI orders. Twelve informants and agents, as BuzzFeed said. Those at the behest of the FBI had a hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception. All of that, concluded the reporters, raises questions as to whether there would have been the conspiracy without the FBI. <laughs> of course not! Of course there wouldn't have been the conspiracy without the FBI because these people were stupid and poor. They had no money to buy explosives and figure this whole fucking thing out to get maps. Like this is what this is not what they do. Everything along the way of this plot was orchestrated and constructed and planned by the FBI. But the evidence is not, does not raise uh, that question as much as it answers it. The idea of kidnapping Governor Whitner came from the FBI. It was a plot designed by the agency, and they went on a hunt to target people they believe could be manipulated into joining their plot. Either people, either people were easily manipulated to do, due to psychological weakness, financial vulnerability, and or their strongly held political views, in sum, the FBI devised this plot, was the primary organizer of it, funded it, purposely directed their targets to pose for incriminating pictures that they, that they then released, released to the press and then heaped praise on themselves for stopping what they themselves created. That is our FBI. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're at. This is, what, this is our intelligence community. This is how they keep their funding high. This is why their budgets are out of fucking control. It's it's shameful and fucking embarrassing. Like and the fact that like falling for it makes me feel like a complete asshole, right? I had my doubts about like the severity of this or the actual possibility of it happening, but didn't think that 12 of the people involved, 12 were working for the FBI. Two of those people, by the way, two of those men have been arrested for domestic violence charges. One guy beat his wife's head into the bedside table after a sex party. Like, what? That's the kind of people that the FBI are working with here. That's the kind of people. So, what do we do from here, right? Like, you have no reason to trust the intelligence agency, right? Operation Mockingbird never really stopped. These people, these, there's, there's people, I mean, if you think that Brian Stelter isn't like a mouthpiece for the intelligence community, you're, you're on crack, like the only person who doesn't think that in this country is probably Hunter Biden. You know what I'm saying? So we get the situation here where, where the plan that they foiled was their own plan and nobody covers that. Tucker Carlson will, but who does he reach? You know what I mean? I'm sitting here talking about it. People on the actual left talk about it. Jimmy Dore talked about it. Sager and Crystal talked about it. Kyle Kalinske talked about it. Real people on the left, left of center, who have, you know, integrity, are talking about this. But it's nowhere else. Nowhere else to be seen. That the FBI manufactured a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan and then took credit for busting it up. And a couple of dipshits who were gullible and upset 
got caught in the middle of it. And not that those are good guys, right? If you get, I mean, if you're going to get yourself involved in that, like you're probably a, kind of a scumbag. But then we have to have to has to have to ask the the question: How involved? So they were already involved in these types of groups, right? The FBI was involved in these types of groups. How involved were they on January sixth? Is that not a valid question? We've seen them orchestrate and use these things, especially when you look at the, what what is the reaction to January sixth been? Increased police funding, increased budgets, more money. For the intelligence community, turning the Capitol Police into an intelligence agency? You got to ask yourself the question like, what maybe that was the goal the whole time? That's not a conspiracy theory. It's just an honest question that seems pretty fucking obvious. But I'll let you run that down, run down that rabbit hole all you want. Really interesting, frustrating, and, and just... Somewhat debilitating news here. And I really, I have a lot of, I just want to praise Glenn Greenwald one more time before we, before we move on for doing this kind of reporting and, and, and operating from a place of, uh, of speaking truth to power in reality, not in uh, some fantasy land where you think that your, your black square and your hashtag whatever in your profile is speaking truth to power because you're just a fucking useful idiot if you do that. That's all, that's all it is. You're just a, a, little, a little pawn in the game. And I'm grateful for people like Glenn uh, doing the real work. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Elemental Labs, the creators of Element. Listen, here's the deal. You heard the story before, but I'm going to tell you again. You need to be hydrated, okay? If you don't properly hydrate yourself, you're, everything that you care about is being impacted. Your sex life, your work life, your fitness levels longevity of a quality life. If you don't hydrate yourself properly, you will end up like Joe Biden. Cognitively unavailable. Like that's what happens. I'm a firm believer, and, and this isn't some conspiracy theory. I'm a firm believer that the reason that Joe Biden is having the cognitive issues that he is is because he's not hydrated. He didn't hydrate in his younger years. You gotta take advantage of your young life and and fuel up. And there's no better way to do that than with Element. There's no better way. There is no better way. Magnesium, electrolytes, no sugar, nothing unnatural in that packet. Only the things that you need. Only the things that will make your life better. Created by people who actually give a fuck. Rob Wolf actually gives a fuck. This isn't some grift. This isn't some bullshit. The guy has changed lives. For the better, all over the place. Decreased inflammation, better body composition, better quality of life. That's what that guy is focused on. Better quality of life with integrity. And that's the kind of people that put together Element. So what you need to do is go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash wanders. Get a variety pack. They just added two more flavors to the variety pack. There's eight flavors in there now. And all you got to do is pay $5. That's it. $5, just cover shipping and get your variety pack. Do it. But that's not really enough. Eight packets will last you a couple days, maybe a week. If, if, you're, if you're slacking, maybe a week, maybe four days. I do about two a day, personally. But I would go ahead and just grab that watermelon. That watermelon is a crowd pleaser, dude. A crowd pleaser. It's delicious. 
Now, that might not be your favorite, but you're going to like it. You know what I mean? Now, I like the lemon habanero. I've laid off of it a little bit, but we get the weekend coming up, and I might have to have a lemon habanero margarita. I might do it because they're fucking delicious, and I'm hydrated. I don't wake up with any kind of, you know, now I'm older, right? I take a couple drinks, and I'm like, ugh. You know? I don't feel good. That's probably because I'm not hydrated. So when I do a little a little element and get my salt, get my magnesium in while I'm having a little sip of tequila, well, you know what? I'm, I'm doing myself a favor. And you, you need to do yourself more favors in this world, in this life. And I can't think of a better place to start than with Element. DrinkElement.com slash Wanders. The link is in the show notes. Get that variety pack. Just covered shipping $5. And grab that watermelon. Do it. Raspberry is great too. And the new grapefruit flavor, also great. You know, follow your heart. Go to drinkelement.com slash wanders and follow your heart. Do it. You'll be glad you did. Stay moist, baby. So Joe Biden got a little spicy on the tarmac the other day, which I wanted to just play this. We're going to cover this briefly. I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but this cracked me up. Um, you know what? I apologize for the fact that there's like a jet engine in the background going off or a helicopter, whatever that is. I, it annoys me that they like that they do this right next to a, a helicopter or an airplane. But you got to hear what Joe Biden has to say here. I know you've seen it before. But we're going to just discuss it briefly and then move on to things that actually matter. But this is I thought this was really, really funny. Can you clarify what you said about uh, no, that there's that there's no um no one in the Democratic Party is anti-police. I know that you have said you that. don't want I to said defund that that, the police. That is not the Democratic Party's position. Okay. I'm the Democratic Party. I am president. So is the, the Speaker of the House, and so is the the uh, the, the uh, uh, majority leader. We and, are not defunding the police. And, and have are that. there people who, in the Democratic Party, who want to defund the president? Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids? Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Are there people in the Democratic Party who want to... Right, so there we go. So, Are there people in the Republican Party who think we're sucking the blood out of kids? And honestly, I feel like that's a pretty good clapback. Like, yeah, there are people who are radicals in the Democratic Party who want to abolish police completely. Is it a good idea? No. Is it the stance of the Democratic Party? No. If you say that, you're just straw manning, which is comical and in bad faith. But... It happens all the time, right? You hear that? How many times do you hear, oh, well, the Democrats just want to defund police. The Democrats want to defund police. Like, the Democrats just increased the Capitol Police budget by $2 billion after they were completely incompetent. Does that really reflect the actions of a, of a, of a political party that wants to defund the police? So... He's, he clapped back with something that says, hey, are there Republicans that think that we drink children's blood? Yes, there are. The answer to both questions is yes. And people were like, whoa, what? That, that was inappropriate. Are you fucking serious? Like that's, when you ask a stupid fucking question, you deserve a stupid fucking answer. Like, that, that's it. Like, it's so, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. People were outraged about this. And it was going around. It's like, the only people that were upset about this truly were people that actually think that, that, that Joe Biden is drinking kids' blood. Like, that's who was upset about this. It's like, oh, that made me, he made me feel stupid. The guy who can't think made a funny joke. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, that's, that's the, I wish that more presidents and more leaders responded to stupid questions with stupid answers. Like, really? That would be fun. That would be a, a much more fun world to live in. 
Like there's there's a hefty percentage. There's probably people in Congress that think that there are are Democrat elites drinking the blood of children. And now when it comes to somebody like Hillary Clinton, I get it. Like she seems like a vampire. Like she seems like someone who would drink some human blood. Just try it out just for fun. Like she she just has, she has a bloodlust anyways. But outside of that, it's like, uh, I don't know if I want to go that far. You know what I mean? There's some weird shit that happens, but I don't know if I want to go that far. I don't want to go adrenochrome far. So here we are. But I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. And I thought it was actually like, he seemed like he was like laughing about it as he walked off. It's like, please don't, don't with this. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? So maybe one day if I'm a politician, I'll be a smart ass. I'll be a smart ass back to dumbass fucking questions like that. We need more of this, in my opinion. We need more of this in our pol- in, in our in our politics from our politicians. It can be witty, and sharp. Not that Joe Biden is either one of those things, but even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. NPR did a little hit piece on Ben Shapiro, and as I just I brought up in the introduction to this podcast, and I'll bring it up again, I caught some heat for f- the attack. My attacks on Ben Shapiro feeling uh, personal, and that's not true. Right, like I think Ben is probably a, a, a nice guy. Uh, I'd like to have, I would like to talk to him. I think it'd be great. I think I'd love to have a sit down conversation with the guy. But I think a lot of his views are ridiculous. And anybody, anybody who's like on the fence about like wait, whether gay people should be able to get married or not is like it's, it's hard for me not to roll my eyes at them. Okay, and I think I think that's an, a reasonable stance. Maybe you don't think it is, and that's fine. But. Here we go with NPR saying outrage as a business model, how Ben Shapiro is using Facebook to build an empire. So we've got this, this article here in 2021, Ben Shapiro rules Facebook, which is true. Like these guys do great on Facebook. Facebook is essentially a conservative platform at this point. It's boomers. It's old people. I'm never on Facebook. I may jump on there to find an old photo or something of like one of my dogs from eight years ago, but I, I actually like cruising Facebook. I blocked my news feed. You can, you can download this thing where it blocks your news feed on Facebook. When I had to work do my, I, I had to actually work on Facebook quite a bit. So I blocked my news feed because it was just like, I didn't care. And that was probably like seven or eight years ago and I've never unblocked it. So when I open Facebook to this day, it doesn't have a news feed, which was one of the best things, the best decisions I ever made. Um, and with that being said, no one that I know is even ever like really on Facebook aside from my mom. Right. So that makes sense that like Ben Shapiro content would do really well on Facebook with like boomers and conservatives and people in like rural areas where that's like where they, I don't know, where they get their news, I guess. But, anyways, it says the conservative podcast host and author's personal Facebook page has more followers than the Washington Post and he drives an engagement machine unparalleled by anything else in the world's bigger social, on the world's biggest social media networking site. An NPR analysis of social media data found that over the past year, stories published by the Shapiro founded Daily Wire received more likes, shares, comments on Facebook than any other news platform by a wide margin. Even legacy news outlets that have broken major stories or produce groundbreaking investigation work don't come anywhere close. we got a graph here just showing like how much more engagement uh, the Daily Wire and Shapiro get than things like the Washington Post and the New York Times. Huh. So what we're seeing here is exactly what you would expect, right? The legacy media, right? If you, you have a lot of options when it comes to legacy media. And you don't have that many options for like actual conservative media. Fox News is like, meh. 
You know, and like, so if you want actual conservative takes, which is one of the reasons I'm so frustrated with Ben Shapiro is because I'd actually like to hear conservative takes on things that are of value, but he's too busy re- reacting to woke TikToks and getting mad about somebody who didn't do a gymnastics event at the Olympics. Like, that's as if that fucking matters in the grand scheme of things. Um, some random TikTok that went viral, like, is not consequential in our in our country. If you disagree with me, you're fucking wrong. Um, so at the end of the day, it's like, I, I actually want to hear what conservatives have to say, and I find that harder and harder. I'm grateful that I found the realignment podcast uh, with Marshall and Sager because I'm like, okay, here's some conservatives. Like, thank God I can like actually hear what they have to say versus like this, this like listening to a robot cries where it's like listening to fucking Ben Shapiro most of the time. Anyways, the daily articles with headlines such as book review proof that wokeness is a projection by nervous racist white women who can't talk to minorities without elaborate codes <laughs> regularly garner tens of thousands of shares on the site. And Shapiro is turning that Facebook reach into a rapidly expanding cost efficient media empire that uh, one that ex- expect experts worry may be furthering polit- polarization in the United States. Yeah, it is. It is. But if you're furthering polarization within the United States, you're pushing against something. That's polarization, right? Like if you try to take two magnets with the same polarity and push them together, they push apart. Like you need both magnets to make that work. That's how that works. So he, the polarization is being created by, yes, the Daily Wire, and yes, MSNBC. Like it's the same. They're the mirror of each other, right? That's why they don't want to connect because they're the same. They push apart. Pretty straightforward. There's a demand among certain subsets of the public for outrage politics, says Jamie Settle, director of the Social Network and Political Psychology Lab at the College of William and Mary in Virginia. This happens on both the left and the right. Well, thank you for saying that. But the people who do this on the right have just found more successful ways of doing it. The Daily Wire did not respond to interview requests, blah, 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 blah. The site produces little original reporting, but instead mostly repackages journalism and traditional news organizations with a conservative slant, yada, yada, yada. Other conservative outlets such as The Blaze, Breitbart News, and Western Journal that publish aggregated opinion content aimed at invoking outrage have generally been more successful at generating engagement than legacy news outlets over the past year, according to NPR's analysis. Makes sense. It goes on to say here, the articles The Daily Wire publishes don't normally include falsehoods, with some exceptions, but the site said it's committed to truthful, accurate, and ethical reporting. But as Settle explains, only the covering only covering specific stories that bolster the conservative agenda, such as negative reports about socialist countries or polarizing ones about race and sexual issues, and only including certain facts, readers may come away from The Daily Wire's content with an impression that Republican politicians can do little wrong and cancel culture is among the, uh, the nation's great threats okay so focusing on uh polarizing issues about race and sexuality issues yeah i can see how that's incredibly polarizing let's just go ahead and take a look here at npr's track record well here's a good one monuments and teams have changed names as america reckons with racism birds are next so we're going after uh racist birds there from npr great reporting uh, Billie Eilish says she is sorry after TikTok video shows, shows her mouthing a racial slur. I think she said uh, chink when she was like 14. Moving on, uh, black TikTok creators are still on strike to protest a lack of credit for their work. Um, this seems like the same thing I was criticizing Ben Shapiro for just moments ago. Uh, moving on, geocamming while black. Outdoor pastime reveals racism and bias. Moving on to the next one here. What else do we have? NPR, what else are you going to offer us with your beautiful journalism? Broadway is reopening this fall, and every new play is by a black writer. 
Okay. Okay. At least you're not focused on race too much. What's next? She struggled to reclaim her indigenous name. She hopes others have it easier. Okay. All right. That seems like a, a, an inspiring piece. Opinion. Tom Hanks is a non-racist. It's time for him to be anti-racist. So this is the kind of stuff that NPR puts out while criticizing the Daily Wire with, with no sense of irony. Absolutely no sense of irony. Like, I'm not here uh, saying that I agree with Ben Shapiro, but I will defend him in the same way that I don't agree with Charlie Kirk on nearly anything. But I will defend his right to say what he wants to say. It's called being principled, right? It's a principled stance. So we see here that NPR has created this hit piece on Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire, which by all means, this is one of my, the funniest things, by all means deserves criticism. Deserves criticism, right? Deserves to be held to a high standard. And I think that that's, that goes for anybody. Like Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Kyle Kalinske, doesn't matter, right? Nina Turner, doesn't matter. Like just people that are out there doing the thing, like sharing their thoughts. Hold them to a high standard. That's great. But you're criticizing them for playing the same game you're playing. And just being the other side of it and calling it depressing in this article. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. What they do, yeah, they, they perpetuate the culture war. They profit from the culture war. In the same way that we've seen with ratings of legacy media going to into the shitter after Trump was gone. They profited from the culture war. And, you know, if, if you're going to do it, he can do it. At the end of the day, that's what it is. NPR is like, NPR is, is, is liberal media. That's it. It's the same shit. Like, show me one NPR podcast host who isn't vaccinated. <laughs> like, you can't. They don't exist. They don't exist, which is fine. That's great. Do your thing. But don't be in denial of who you are. NPR needs to accept it. It needs to find its truth. It needs to embody itself. It needs to really align its chakras and understand that it's just as full of shit as the Daily Wire is and every single thing that they criticize Shapiro for, they do themselves. Why is that so hard to see? Why is it so hard to notice that? I don't understand. I cannot wrap my mind around it. I just can't. But here we are. Here we are. And NPR is writing hit pieces on Ben Shapiro. I wanted to come out because I do talk about principles quite a bit and defend the Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro on this because I criticize them all the time. I'll probably do it next show. I could have done this. Show. I could have backed this segment up with another segment, criticizing some dumb shit that Ben Shapiro said. Um, but he got one upped in dumb shit by Charlie Kirk, who is next on the list. <laughs> and here we are. But I think that we got to be really mindful of how how we see this. And these hit pieces are just—they come after Joe Rogan. They're coming after Daily. It's like, what are y'all doing, guys? It's just—it's like CNN gets mad at Fox, and Fox gets mad at CNN. They just report on each other back and forth. It's like a—it's like Pong, but just more boring to watch and it makes no sense it's the pot calling the kettle black over and over and over again and finger pointing and finger wagging and it's like shut the fuck up like that's my advice if i could give it an npr and, and daily wire focus on the issues man like focus on what actually fucking matters but if you're in the click business you gotta use a little bit of clickbait it is what it is. So Charlie Kirk decided to chime in in the Simone Biles situation. So she decided to skip an event. She had some mental health concerns. I didn't care that much. It wasn't really something I thought that I would bring up on this show at all. 
But the outrage on the right <laughs> about what she did was absolutely astonishing. Like, first off, when did you guys start caring about women's gymnastics in the Olympics? Like, I think the Olympics are cool. It's fun to watch. We've we've had really great gymnasts. We've won a lot of golds. Uh, Simone Biles, by the way, has won four golds and a bronze, so five medals for the United States, which is impressive. She's the best. And um, we had a really challenging time this year. Like, people's families aren't there. Their support systems aren't there. And, you know, she's doing, like, Four backflips and a bunch of twists. Like you got to kind of have your head on straight to be able to do those kind of things because you could also smash your neck into a million pieces. Like this is like a, a real thing. But Charlie Kirk, right? Like I have zero, zero confidence that this this guy is able to even play sports. Like I like to see him throw a football. You know what I'm saying? Like what does this guy know about the pressures of athletic performance? I, I can't. But aesthetically, looking at him, not much. Like if you could win a gold medal for like uh, being a Donald Trump dick rider, he would have the gold he'd have numerous golds every year he'd get a gold because all he does is ride that dude's coattails when he's not slobbing his knob like that's who this person is he has to have proximity to power to be relevant and he's done that by never criticizing the president trump no matter what he did even when he deserved it and having zero principles and being a complete grifter and having a bot farm to boast to boost his content that's the kind of person that charlie kirk is right he, he pretends to sit on some kind of moral high ground but at the end of the day, he's really just a gigantic piece of shit who grew up in a gated community outside of Chicago. That's Charlie Kirk. That's Turning Point USA. That's who these people are, right? It's fake morality and fake principles to run a grift. So when Simone decides that she's not going to compete in an event because her, her, she's got anxiety, depression, whatever, which should be a non-issue, we've got this. And now, if you know Olympic athletes, and I do know Olympic athletes, Many of them struggle with anxiety and depression to the point where there's a correlation there, right? There's a correlation with Olympic athletes and anxiety and depression, high-level athletes in general. Now, you wouldn't know that because why would you? You've never really done it. You know, you don't have to pay the, pay the price for being an athlete like a lot of us do. But you can sit, here, you can sit in your little cushy chair in your, in your studio paid for by your grift and criticize someone who has won five medals at the Olympics. Four of them were gold. You think that you have the right to criticize someone for something you're incapable of doing, performing at a high level. So let's just get into what Charlie Kirk has to say here. Oh, what a fucking douchebag. So Simone Biles, I don't know her politics. I don't. I just know that she's... Why, her, why would her politics be relevant in this conversation at all? Like, what, what possible relevancy would her pol political views have on this conversation at all? You know, shown on television a lot. I don't know if she was ever uh, sexually assaulted or abused. So I, I, don't, I don't know. She was, actually. She was. As were dozens of other girls by that one creepy motherfucker. So, yeah, that's a thing. What she's been through. I, I, seriously, I mean that uh, sincerely. However, I'm going to say this. Don't show up to the Olympics and compete if you're not ready for the big moments. This is not high school. This is not college. This is the Olympics. It's bigger than yourself, Simone. So Simone Biles, who's obviously a very talented gymnast. She's the best. Decided not to compete in the gold medal competition. Now, she probably could have just competed and just kind of checked the boxes and they would have got a gold medal. 
you be the okay. Hey, hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Hey, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, dude, in his prime, '90s Jordan. I need you to just go out there and check the boxes. I know you're the best that there ha- ever has been. I need you to go out there and check the boxes. That's not part of an elite athlete's mentality, Charlie. Okay, that's not part of an elite athlete's fucking mentality. And when you're doing a sport that you can literally die from a mistake in, that's not really the best way to go about performing when you're the fucking best. It's one event, my dude. One event. Simone Biles says, This Olympic Games, I wanted to be for myself when I came in, and I felt like I was still doing it for other people, as she cried after the team event on Tuesday. So that just, it like hurts my heart because doing what I love has been kind of taken away from me to please other people. Yeah, that's the point. That's not the point, Charlie. That's not the point. These girls who are gymnasts start doing this shit when they're like four years old and they're doing it for other people their whole lives. And unlike many girls who are in the Olympics that are like in their early, early twenties and teens, right? Simone's kind of an adult and she can make grown up fucking decisions. Right? Like, I'm going to defend her. I, th- I would have liked to have seen her compete. I would have liked to have gotten, for the U.S. to have gotten the gold. I love watching her compete. She's the fucking best. She's incredible. It's so impressive. But you have to understand that she has a better grasp on her mental state than you do. Okay? Like, this fucking guy. Like, Jesus Christ. Simone Biles, you're representing your nation, you selfish, you're selfish sociopath. Are you kidding me? <laughs> A selfish Today it's like, you know what? I'm not going to do something stupid and get hurt. It's just not worth it. Especially when you have like three amazing athletes that can step up to the plate and do it. So you know who has the gold medal? Russia. Who cares? Russia. Who fucking cares? I have to go look at these four foot eleven Russian Olympi- Olympians chewing on their gold medals, smirking at the Americans. I'm not okay with that. Then but you honestly- go be in the Olympics, you fucking lazy bitch. Like, what are you, what, didn't you do it? What are you talking about? What, who fucking cares if Russia, Russia has a better athletics than we do, dude. Russia has better sports programs than the United States does. Why don't you go watch weightlifting then? Like, it's a place where we might be in like the worst heat that there is. We're terrible at it. Like, (laughs) Russia has outstanding athletic programs. That's what they do. That's part of being the kind of nation that they are. It's the reason that they crush. Now, we win in sports that we play a lot, like when you start doing things as a kid, gymnastics, track and field, things like that. We do really, really well because you start young. But when you have a sports school program in Russia, yeah, it makes sense. It's going to be like Russia, China, the United States, and gymnastics. That's that's who it's going to be between, it seems like to me. Maybe Japan. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a huge gymnast fan. That's why I didn't really give a fuck about this. But apparently Charlie is really upset. That's where we're headed. We are raising a generation of weak people like Simone Biles. Again, if you want to be, if she got all these mental health problems, don't show up. She's an incredible athlete. Of course she's an incredible athlete. I'm not saying... I just said she's probably the greatest gymnast of all time. You also said she's, she's a sociopath. very selfish. She's immature. And she is a shame to the country. <laughs> she's totally a sociopath. Of course she's a sociopath. Jesus Andrew said she's Christ. not a sociopath. What kind of person skips the gold medal match? Who does that? It's a shame to the nation. You just gave a gift to the Russians. 
don't show up. If you're not ready for the big time, we got thousands of young female gymnasts that would love to take the place. Thousands. Simone Biles just showed the rest of the nation that when things get tough, you shatter into a million pieces. You know what? There's a lot of times that you step up to the plate, even though you don't want to do it, even though that it's against everything in your body. But instead, Simone Biles just broke one of the great American values and virtues, courage and bravery. It was all about herself. And she's a disgrace. Okay, Charlie, here, I got a proposition for you. And this is fun because it's going to be on Instagram. We'll put this out there. Uh, bravery. How about we do this, Charlie? I'm left of center, right? So I'm like, I guess you can call me a liberal. How about you and I, we, we create a time. We create a time, just me and you, one-on-one. -on -one, bravery and courage, right? We'll do some kind of test of fitness. Maybe we can do some shooting sports. We'll, we'll go super conservative with it. We can shoot guns. We can do some archery. Uh, some tests of fitness, some tests of strength, tests of endurance. Step up to the plate, sir. I'm right now. We'll, I'll have, I'll you know, we'll have a third party design the competition, and you and I can compete. And you can, you can, we can, we can both really just show up and be brave and step up to the plate, Charlie. That's a very American thing to do, right? I mean, you're going to be the underdog because you're kind of a pussy. But, like, why not? Let's go. I got a gym here at the house. Got everything we need. You can pick a few of your sports, too. With golf or whatever it is that you play, I'm in. You can have a weekend-long extravaganza. Politically homeless versus Turning Point USA. <laughs> Step up to the plate. Be, it's, a, it's an American value that you pretend to espouse. Are you scared? I mean, we could throw a fight in there if you'd like to do that. Right? Maybe we can get Joe Rogan to commentate the goddamn thing. We'll do an exhibition ma boxing match. That's a, that's a fun one. Step up to the plate. I've already got CTE, so I'm not really that concerned. I don't know. How about that, guys? I have friends that know Charlie. Tag him. Send it to him. Let's go. Me and Charlie in the ring, on the course, in the gym. Whatever you want to do, bud. Whatever you want to do. Test of fitness, test of strength. Boxing, kickboxing, whatever. I'm in. Step up to the plate. Step up to the plate. You know what? And I'll give you like what? A few months. You can take some performance enhancing drugs. You can dope, testosterone. I don't give a fuck. Hire, the hire Tim Kennedy to come train you. I don't give a shit what you do. I'm down. Are you down? That's the question, Charlie. Are you down? Because if you're this steadfast about being brave and stepping up to the plate... Then let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. I do not need to be convinced. But I do stand by someone Biles making the best decision for herself, especially when she's not even getting fucking paid to be there. Oh, God damn. What a like. Imagine caring about this. And now, really quick before we move on. Let's just read through the comments. A couple people here. Awaken with Allison says, I cannot imagine caring about this. This is why conservatives lose. The gay who strayed, these are two very prominent conservative figures, by the way. The gay who strayed says, uh, bad take. Mental health is really important. We need, we need to, this to be talked about more. I honestly applaud her for the decision she made. Moving on. Not sure why you're picking this battle, Kirk. It's one event and she can't, she can do what she wants. 
Moving on. I think this is just a waste of breath and energy. Bad form. Everyone has a breaking point. I don't agree with you on this one. This is a little harsh now, bud, don't you think? Not cool, Charlie. Thumbs down. That's from somebody with an American flag in their profile. So that's the kind of shit that's happening, which actually gives me some... If, it was a, if, there, if these comments were full of people cheering him on for this bullshit, that'd be one thing. But that doesn't seem to be the case here. And I'm happy about that. So, Charlie, I'm throwing down the gauntlet, buddy. Weekend competition, Colorado, D.C., wherever you want to go. Whatever you want to do. I'm ready when you are, bud. And now it's time for that part of the show where I give you something to think about. So I got to thinking about the thinking the other day about markets and incentives and democracy. Interesting concepts, I guess, broad concepts, big concepts, important for our world. But when I look at it and think about it, I started thinking about how backwards the incentives are for many people. And the reason this was on my mind is because I was thinking about the healthcare industry, which is essentially incentivized. Uh, to keep people sick, to keep people taking their quote-unquote medicine and um, perpetuate, like keep stretch life out as long as you can with the lowest quality possible, which is increases reliance on pharmaceutical, the pharmaceutical industry. And then price couch the fuck out of people and, you know, the corruption ensues, right? They're incentivized. It's one of the reasons I don't think that, that, that the pharmaceutical industry should be dictated by the market is because the market incentives are fucked. Right, and that got me thinking down the down the road, kicking the can down the road there about the incentives that our politicians have, and how in a democracy we should really be making decisions based upon what incentives we're providing for our politicians. You see what I'm saying here? They're incentivized at this moment to not do anything. Right to further a culture war, not focus on the issues, outspend, not be efficient, and not serve their people, not serve their constituents, not do what they're supposed to do, what the, what the, what the system is designed around them doing. That's why the system is failing. It's a game of incentives. Now, if we, the populist left, and the populist right could get on the same page and quit hating each other for no fucking reason, maybe we could understand that a lot of the issues that we see in the world we agree upon, right? We agree, on, agree upon what the issues are. Now, our solutions may be different, but if we got on the same page, we could incentivize our politicians to at least address the issues that are real. Not the ones they make up to have us dancing around, fucking around, doing whatever. The issues that are real. Mass incarceration. Corrupt drug laws. Globalization. Manufacturing. Child care. These are real issues, right? Now, I know it's more, it's sexier to talk about abortion and guns and God knows what else. And get people all fucking pissed off. That's great for fundraising. 
And that's the thing, right? The incentive is fundraising. <laughs> the incentive is getting reelected. The incentive isn't solving problems. The incentive, they're not incentivized to take risks. Why would they do that? Why would you take a risk in that situation? Not necessary. So if we could get together and fuck the neoliberals and the neoconservatives, they can fuck off. We don't need them. We have the majority in the populist lane, left or right. If we could agree on how we could incentivize the carrot or the stick, if we could incentivize our politicians with progress, we might get somewhere. This one's a short one, and I don't want to tell you what to think here. But if you just watch the system, watch the system work the way it's working now, and ask yourself that question, what are the incentives? Because the thing is, the system's working exactly how it's designed to now. It's been designed to incentivize re-elections. The primary process, all of these things have been designed to incentivize re-elections and incentivize stalemates. Because stalemates are safer than progress. Progress is chaotic. And stalemates are profitable. And emotions are profitable. And that's what is incentivized. So look at the system and ask yourself, how can we change the incentive structure within this system? Something to think about. Fucking love you guys as always. If you're down for more of this content, crowdsource content from the Patreon community for the Patreon community, join that bitch. Patreon.com slash politically homeless. Oh. Was not 100% today, guys. I was not. But I produced the content. (laughs) I'm always doing the best I can for you guys. Y'all are the best. Keep your head on straight. We will see you next time. Bye-bye.